It's no secret that 2020 has been a brutally tough year for so many of us. Our margins are thin, and then in the midst of that, we celebrate the word becoming flesh. But where is God in the midst of all that is broken? Where are the promises of a Prince of Peace being lived out and working out among us? Well, let's find out today on a Critical Faith podcast from First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln. Here now is Pastor Sue Collar. Do you believe peace is possible? I mean, seriously. Do you believe that it is possible in this world that we have right now to have peace? To have that time where wars are not fought, where nations don't go against nation and fight each other, where political divides are not filled with hate, where everyone works together for the common good? Do you think it's possible that we might live in a world where men don't abuse women and bullies don't have power? where no one feels the need to be better than anyone else. Do you believe such a world is possible? I dare to believe that. I am just idealistic enough to believe that such a world can indeed be possible, and I have enough faith in God to believe that one day God is going to make sure that world really does come about. But at the same time, I'm not sure I really do believe it, in spite of what I just said. I believe it's possible. I believe God's promises, but I kind of don't believe it's actually going to happen. I really don't see a world coming where justice is about sharing and not retribution. I really don't see a world being born where everyone cares about the best interests of others and where wholeness is more important than power. We are too scared of losing power for that ever to become a reality in our world. You know, what do we do? We keep building bigger threats to keep other people in line. That's what we do. That's what we've been born to do, trained to do, and we do it well. We are so focused on getting what is ours, we aren't even aware of how our gains represent loss for someone else. We're more interested in getting our own way than understanding the path that someone else has been on that got them to where they are. I think that many of us have probably struggled with this tension between God's promises and the world we actually live in and what's really, really possible. And I think a lot of us have dealt with that tension by internalizing those promises. We may not have peace in our world, but can we have peace in our hearts? We can enjoy the season of Christmas and ooh and ah over a cute baby surrounded by cute barnyard animals with angels singing in the heavens. We can let our hearts be melted by pictures of stray dogs curling up in a manger to keep warm. We can uh, let our hearts be warm by the Christmas carols that have nurtured us since we were children. And we hope to carry within us that sense of peace and contentment, both with ourselves and the world as it is. If we're lucky, that feeling lasts until the next crisis, or at least until the Christmas decorations come down. But there is something about Isaiah's words that will not let us so easily just internalize and privatize those promises. He's not going to let us get away with such a little hope and dream. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. 
You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder for the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom and with righteousness from this time onwards and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. When God says there's a great light coming and the light will shine in a land of deep darkness, Isaiah dares to believe that that light will change the reality of his world and his day. He dares to believe that people who see no hope might find hope in their life in the present for the future. He dares to announce to a people facing starvation and under siege by their enemies that within a year, two at the most, their enemies will be gone and they will not just not be at war with their neighbors, but be at peace with their neighbors. Fear will no longer be a factor. He dares to tell the faithful of his day that a child has already been born. Not that one day a child will be born, but a child has already been born. And that child will bring about a kind of peace that we only dream of, a peace that surpasses our understanding and our own experience. He will bring about a world where everyone has what they need and no one from the least to the greatest ever has to fear anything again. We have a God, Isaiah says, who is so passionate about us and so committed to us that God will make this happen. In fact, Isaiah says, it's already begun. There is a physicality to Isaiah's declaration that I think most of us are probably afraid to believe in because it seems so impossible and so out of sync with our own experience. We have become so used to spiritualizing our faith that there are times our faith has nothing to do with our physical beings or the world we live in, it has nothing to do with our relationships with anybody else. I may live in a world where People hate me, people denigrate me or disrespect me, but I have peace in my heart. I may live in a world where I am hungry or thirsty or in prison or sick, but isn't it the Apostle Paul who tells us to rejoice in everything? And so it's my job to find joy in the most horrific of circumstances. There is a tendency, I think, in our faith tradition to take these promises of Christmas, the promises we hear in Isaiah, and turn them into something that is just internal to our heart, our mind, and our outlook to the world. But then we start reading what else is in the Bible. 
we read the Gospel of John in those opening verses, and we hear John say, the Word has become flesh and dwells among us. And now what do we do? Can we say that our faith is really about achieving peace in our hearts when John says, God has become flesh. God has entered our physical reality and has at work in our physical world. What do we do with John? How do we deal with that? You see, the incarnation, Christmas, is God's bold statement that God's promises are not just spiritual. They're not just personal. Our bodies matter. Our physical reality matters. What happens between people matters, just like Jesus' body mattered and what he did with it mattered. We have a God who cared as much about the person who physically could not see as about the person who spiritually could not see. It's great news about what God intends for us in our world. But I know the question you're thinking right now. If God cares so much, why is the world such a broken place? Where is God? How is God fixing everything that's wrong with our world? And believe me, I've thought about that question. I don't know of any person of faith who hasn't wrestled to one degree or another with that same question. And I've realized that it really comes down to one thing. Just like it takes two to fight, it takes two to make peace. I may refuse to accept the invitation to fight another person, but that doesn't mean there's peace between me and that other person. As long as that other person does not want or is not able to seek a healthy relationship with me, we will not have the kind of peace that God promises, a peace where we are not afraid of each other. You know, peace is not a truce. Peace in the biblical tradition is wholeness, shalom. I may care about my neighbor, donate to a food bank so that my neighbors have food on their table when they are hungry, but that doesn't mean my neighbor is not going to be hungry tomorrow because the deck is stacked against them already. It is stacked in favor of those who want to accumulate more rather than those who want to share more. So until generosity becomes more prevalent in our world, then there will always be need in this world. And where there is need, we have not yet achieved the kingdom that is promised to us. You see, God can't just snap God's metaphorical fingers and make everything perfect in the world. Because it's only going to be perfect when, when you and I and my neighbor, and my enemy are changed. A world without fear, a world where everyone has what they need, a world where grace is abundant and relationships are life-giving, is as much about what is between us as what is in us. I want to believe that God's kingdom, filled with Grace and everything life-giving is possible, but the reality is it isn't until we get on board with it. It can't happen without you or without me. It can't happen without me taking the risk to practice 
that kind of life in my relationship with others, whether they want it or not. I can't wait for someone else to make the first move because someone has to start. And that someone is me. And that someone is you. And I know it's hard. Believe me, I do. I have relationships in my own life that aren't perfect. If it were easy, all of my relationships would be great. It's not easy. But if we want something better, if we want our relationships and our world to be healthier, then we have to be a part of making it happen. It really is that simple. I think oftentimes we come to Christmas and we view it as a moment in time. It's almost the destination. I mean, we've, we've spent four weeks in Advent working our way up towards Christmas and getting our decorations done and baking our cookies and decorating them and getting our gifts bought. And then Christmas comes and it's like we have reached the destination. We've reached the end of this part of our journey. But Christmas is not a destination. It's an invitation. It's the beginning of a lifelong journey of putting flesh on God's promises and showing by how we live, by how we love, by how we care, that God's world is, is not only possible, it's actually coming. This means if we want the world we say we're waiting for at Christmas, it can't all come from God. If we want a world where everyone has enough, then we have to share what we have. If we want a world where everyone respects everyone else, then we have to respect everyone else. If we want a world where peace flows through everything, then we have to become a conduit to that peace and not a barrier to it. It doesn't matter how anybody else responds. It doesn't matter if we are respected in turn. It doesn't matter if we're not loved like we love others. It doesn't matter if people don't forgive us even when we've done the hard work of, of forgiving them. It doesn't matter if the one we desire healing with doesn't want that from us. But real peace is never going to be possible when it only comes from one side. But it has to start somewhere. And it starts with us. And isn't that really what Christmas is about? It's God saying, okay, I'll start. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and a light shined in the darkness. There's a song by Kathy Tricoli called Go Light Your World. And there's a line in the song about a woman holding a candle without a flame. What would happen if we made it our business to light all those candles that have gone out? What if we made it our life's work to hold up our candles and go light the world? What if, what if we made a point of showing others that the very thing that they, they hope for and dream about, even if they don't know it, has already started? Every time we forgive, every time we love an action, every time we lift up someone who has fallen, we add to that light. We add to that hope. We show people what peace looks like. And when we do that, there actually is a little bit more hope in the world. And where there's hope, we've actually moved just a little bit closer to that day when peace and love 
and abundance will fill the world. So go light your world. Even if your flame isn't the biggest or the brightest, even if it grows dim sometimes, keep adding to the light that gives hope to the world. The good news is that we aren't in this alone. There's a whole community of faithful people lighting their little candles to bring a little bit more light into this world, to move us a little bit closer to that world of peace that we long for. But we also aren't alone because what did we hear from the Gospel of John? The Word has become flesh and dwells among us and still does. Thank you for joining us today and come be a part of something that is special and unique. A church where faith is nurtured, curiosity is encouraged, diversity is welcomed, and all are loved. Simply go to our Facebook page at First Presbyterian Church, Lincoln, Nebraska.